Hello again, friends, and welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Well, I hope you guys are all well, guys and girls and people of the world of podcast landia. I hope you're doing well. And um, I hope those of you who uh, stopped by the store and bought a shirt last couple weeks have received their package. I hope you have. Shipping is pretty crazy right now with Christmas. Maybe not the best time to be shipping stuff out, but I know some shirts and stickers and patches have landed in very supportive hands, and I appreciate you hitting myback40.org slash store and picking up something. I'm really proud of the shirt, for sure, that uh, Ken Chernoff designed, and I hope those of you who have received it are as delighted with you <laughs> are as delighted with it as I am. And uh, those of you who have it, who are listening, make sure you wash it in cold water. Uh, I tested mine and I, you know, washed it. I've dried it a few times. And um, Steve Mantica over at Local View Printing here in Invermere silkscreened those up. And um, because it's um, the graphics on a black shirt, he said he really layered the paint up. But be careful because if you dry it, it might crack which is fine. Um, mine's cracked a little bit, but I don't mind so much. It just, uh, makes it look, you know, kind of rowdy, which is kind of how I roll, but, um, just a warning. Yeah. Maybe just wash it in cold water and lay it flat to dry. If you'd like to prolong that graphic. And, um, again, I thank you for your support. If you'd like to check out the shirts I have and some of the other little items I have, you can head on over to myback40.org slash support and have a little shop. Um, I set up the store a few weeks ago. I haven't had a lot of sales on it, but it works. <laughs> you know, there's a test bed you can run for that store. And I just kind of skipped it because I was confident in the setup and the back end, and it actually worked. So those of you who have participated, I appreciate your support. Another great way to support the MyBack40 project is to head on over to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating and review helps me grow, helps me manipulate the algorithm and to present my podcast to more people so I can get more people on board with this great platform that I've created and uh, grow the community. And if you do that, I'd really appreciate it. Also, no voice intros this week. That's okay. Whip out your device, record me something and send it to myback40podcast at gmail.com. If you do that, I'll put it on the show. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be like what Doug, Doug Donlop said um, last week or what he sent in about he's out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night in the snow. Could be just sitting in your office thinking about something that you want to share or just say hello to the community. Love hearing from you. So don't forget, whip out your device, record me something, myback40podcast at gmail.com. And I can't wait to hear from you. So I have a bit of a plan. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. It's just kind of popped into my brain. It's a kind of a winter thing that I might want to do just in the process of, uh, going through it. But I started going through my equipment and, uh, you know, it's funny. I have this Princeton tech headlamp and this comes on the, on the, um, the heels of, uh, a question that I received from Justin Keach. He was asking me about, um, lighting and what kind of lights I used for bike packing. Now I have to say that I'm one of the fortunate privileged people to have a K light MTB ultra dynamo powered light. And, uh, with the, uh, K light IDC revolution, carbon fiber and Negra, um, <laughs> coated rims that, which I, which I love. And I haven't talked about these rims for a while, but they are fucking fantastic. Um, so I put about what 4,000 K on these rims. They're straight as an arrow. Um, the, uh, the dynamo is amazing. Um, 
and you know to to speak to the strength of these rims i smoked something so hard kind of in the fall like just this this root you know i hit it so hard it almost sent me over the uh it almost sent me over the bars and i was thinking that i just wrecked that rim if it was an alloy rim it would have been toast but this thing man it barely it didn't show anything it didn't show any wear or crack or spoke tension change so i can't say enough about those rims and uh, so I'm privileged to have the the K light system, and I would encourage any one of you who's who's thinking about getting a Dynamo set up is to check that out. But then, you know, with this winter thing, I'm planning. Um, you know, I don't have a Dynamo on my fat bike, so I was thinking, what am I going to use for lights? And I have this um, this Princeton Tech Apex 200 lumen headlamp that I've used for oh man, I've used it so so much. I had it on the AR. If you go to my website, uh, myback40.org, uh, you can see me uh, wearing it. It's kind of the second picture down uh, when I'm in that uh, green jacket. And you can see the headlamp poking out from under my uh, hood there. But it's an awesome headlamp, but the fucking thing won't come on. So I've got to see if I can get that thing warranted. But I got that, inspir- uh, I was inspired to get that light by uh, reading a bunch of Jay Peterberry's uh, bike packing, like uh, the ITI. Uh, his pack list for that. And this was one of the lamps that he used back in the day. And he doesn't use that anymore, but that was the one that um, I was drawn to ride. Except I don't think he does. I don't think he uses it. The one thing I loved about it, um, it takes batteries uh, that I could get, especially in the summer, you know, what are the nights like, you know, six hours of night riding um, at the peak of summer because the nights are kind of short. I could get at least two nights on lithium batteries out of this light running on low, like the 200 lumen lamp, which might freak people out because it's not a lot of light. But um, back then, back way back then in 2017, um, you know, to get uh, at least 12 to 14 hours of burn time with four lithium batteries on a headlamp that got me through the woods, that's pretty damn good, I have to say. And, um, but I'm kind of bummed that it doesn't work. I don't know why it doesn't work. It, it served me well on the AR and then I just went to turn it on fresh bats and it, it doesn't work anymore. <clears throat> so I guess to delve a bit more into that, Justin was asking me kind of the lights that I used for, um, bike packing. And, um, that was a light that was primarily, this was my main light. Um, the apex, the Princeton tech apex light. And I, I would just mount it on my bars or mount it on my, uh, arrow bar. And I would just run it like a headlamp. And you might think that 200 lumens isn't really a lot, but I'm telling you, um, it's plenty. Like it really is. It, um, especially for bike packing and the speeds that you're going, I found it more than enough light. And then when I was walking or running really slow, I would just turn it back at way down just onto the LEDs. There's a, kind of a main light in the middle and there's these four LEDs. So um, to be honest, I don't know what, modern battery technology is providing lights with now, like in terms of burn time. Um, and then what I had, uh, yeah, I just had that. And then I had a, uh, a black diamond spot as a backup. So I'd wear that on my head. I think I have that. It's right over here. And that's a pretty wicked light. <clears throat> so if things got a bit fast and, and technical, I would throw that on. I think it's a spot. I don't know. Where's the model on it? It doesn't say. It doesn't say anywhere. But, you know, just a tiny little cube, right? It's an awesome light. But that's basically what I used for bikepacking. It's light. You know, lithium batteries last a long time. And uh, 
it did, it took the double A batteries, which was kind of handy. So if you needed batteries at a resupply, it's just easy to find double A batteries or if, uh, in the case of the spot, um, triple A batteries. So now when I have, um, now in 2021 or last summer, I would ride my dynamo most of the time. And then obviously it has a standing light. So if you're not moving fast, that light would, you know, it would go way down to very, very dim. I don't know how many lumens it would be. Not many, maybe a hundred. No, it's not a lot of light, but enough to walk by. And then I use my headlamp as a, as a backup lamp, the Princeton Tech Apex. So I need to get that replaced. And then on the trail, I kind of run, I have two different lights. I have, um, and then all of my shit's old, but it just, you know, it speaks to the quality of this stuff. Um, light and motion. Um, I have a Taz 1500, which is a 1500 lumen light. And I generally, I don't run it on high very often. Um, <clears throat> on low, I could probably get two, two and a half hours out of it. And it's a self-contained light. And then the other light I have is a light and motion Seca 2000 Enduro. And it's basically, a, well, it has a battery pack. So it's got, a, I believe, a, a six cell lithium ion battery pack. But I only use that for trail. It's not practical for um, bikepacking, in my opinion. I mean, the the uh, the Taz 1500 would be great for bikepacking. It is USB rechargeable, but I would need to bring two because it wouldn't have enough burn time to get me through the night, um, even on low. So um, not really super practical, in my opinion, as a bikepacking light. Um, what do you guys use? I don't know. Reach out. Let me know. Like I say, the, the dynamo is kind of the newest thing I have in my quiver of gear, but those are kind of the lights I've been using forever. I think the, these two light and motion lights are, God, they gotta be at least five years old, at least five to seven years old. And the shit's bomber and the LEDs are, are still going and, um, they still are very, very reliable lights. So, you know, not a sponsor of the show, but I definitely recommend light and motion lights. And, um, I hope that information helps. I, I know it's hard. Like there's, especially night riding, like a lot of people don't feel super comfortable riding all the way through the night. But if you are, obviously this is something that you really need. You need a really good long burn light and you need a way to either charge it or a way to get extra batteries in it, you know, t so it'll last the entire night. And, um, I would say that you know, they make that Princeton Tech Apex. Now it's like a 650 lumen light. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about too, is just luminosity. Um, <clears throat> Justin was saying that he would really prefer, he doesn't, he doesn't have very good eyes, he said. And so he would like to have 1500 to 2000 lumens. Um, so I'm not sure the battery technology, if, if you can get a self-contained um, light that's going to give you uh, that much luminosity, over a six or eight hour period that I really don't know. You'd have to study, but I think too, you have to consider too that, uh, you know, if you can learn to deal with it, learn to, to ride with lower levels of light, um, you're going to be able to carry smaller lights. Um, you don't need as much brightness. Um, batteries are going to last longer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've just kind of adjusted to that. I don't mind riding, riding really low luminosity at night, but it's something to consider, um, if you're thinking about buying lights is, you know, get out there and practice with different luminosities. I see guys now, even in the winter riding with like 5,000 lumens and it's like, you don't need that. <laughs> you really don't need that. Like I can easily rip single track in the winter with hundreds of lumens, not even thousands of lumens. Like I could take my, my Taz 1500 
and run that on medium <clears throat> or low, which I don't know, I'd have to look at the specs to see what it puts out. But you know, everything's so white and bright. You, d you don't need a lot of, a lot of lumens. So I would just say, save your money um, and buy something just kind of reasonable. Like, you know, a thousand lumens, um, even in the summer at night, is plenty of light. It's tons of light. Like I was shocked when I was running the uh, the Dynamo on the Yo-Yo and then on the AR. You know, you get going over 15, 16 K an hour and you've got like, I think it uh, puts out 1300 lumens. And I was like, oh my God, it was so much light. I wasn't, wasn't used to having so much light. And I almost didn't want it because I didn't want to see into the woods as deeply as it would show me. The K-Light's amazing. The spread and uh, just the quality of light that you get out of it was just incredible. But, um, you know, 1300 is more than enough to uh, bike pack with through the night. And so I would say, you know, save your money. You know, you could keep it under 1000 easily and um, still travel at a pretty good clip. Uh, in the middle of the night with a low luminosity light like that. So I just thought I'd share that with you and take it for what it is. Um, but that's the experience I have with running lights. All right, guys, I wanted to also make you aware of a podcast I was on. I was on Joanne Maurice's new podcast called The Gravel Groove. And uh, we had a great conversation there. And um, I encourage you to go over and check it out. And don't forget to give her a five-star rating and a review on her great production. Um because it's awesome and she's got a lot of great guests lined up. She's been sharing with me a little bit of uh, what her plans are and I would subscribe right away so you can uh, dive in to some of the conversations she's going to be sharing with all of you. So please don't hesitate. Check out The Gravel Groove on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right, guys, it's been a long time coming, but I'm so happy to finally be bringing you a conversation with my dad, Daryl O'Shaughnessy, and on his birthday, no less. If you want to get to know someone, often meeting the parents is the best way to do that. Let's just say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You can also listen to a chat I had with my mom back in episode 14. Born in Bancroft, Ontario in 1946, Daryl O'Shaughnessy grew up in the post-war era of opportunity, which he didn't take for granted. He has worn many hats, from being a chef to being an officer with the Ontario Provincial Police. He was the director of security at Atomic Energy of Canada Limited, where something like 80% of the world's isotopes were derived, and later branched out on his own to share his security expertise as a consultant. My dad was always a hard-working dude, traveling often to seek out new challenges and opportunities to make a better life for our family. Daryl never fully retired. Later in life, he and my mom built a dragon boating community in Kelowna, B.C., Later, when they moved back to Arnprior, Ontario, they founded the Arnprior Dragon Boating Club, dedicated to inspiring health and fitness for all ages through the sport of dragon boat racing. Dad became an active member with the Seniors Active Living Center in Arnprior, which led him to developing Men's Sheds, non-profit entities that support senior men by providing a place of camaraderie, purpose, and meaning. Members of Men's Sheds are active in the community and work hard on projects such as building toys for fairs and markets, picnic tables and benches for parks, and were active in building screens for various public-facing services during the pandemic. Being in service to others has been an extremely meaningful path for my dad, and he has been recognized for his efforts. He was recently named a Paul Harris Fellow by the Rotary Foundation of Rotary International, quote, in appreciation of tangible and significant assistance given for the furtherance of better understanding and friendly relations among peoples of the world. Humbly, he accepts this award on behalf of the team of hardworking people he surrounds himself with. 
Dad was always an active guy and considered being active and staying fit very important. He played and coached hockey and was an avid tennis player, classic cross country and downhill skier. And if I'm not mistaken, he did pretty well in the Silver Spoon Ski Fest that the Deep River Cross Country Club has been hosting for the last 50 years. I couldn't be more proud of my dad and I'm so happy to be sharing this conversation with you. Despite it not being cycling centric, this chat still reverberates with the importance of being in service to others, finding meaning and purpose in one's life, and the importance of living an active and stimulating life. Please enjoy it. Of course, I asked my dad which song he'd like to open the conversation with, and he picked a Christmas song, so that's why I pushed this out till December and figured what better way to get this conversation out than on his birthday. So dad, happy birthday. I'll call you in a little bit. So the song he picked was a Chris Rea song from his compilation, The Works. You can find it on Spotify. It's a 2007 album. And that song is Driving Home for Christmas. And um, basically, this meant a lot to my dad because, like I said in the beginning, he's always traveling. And getting home for Christmas was of top priority for my dad. And uh, Christmas was always a really special time for our family. And uh, when Christmas rolls around, I always remember some of the great uh, times that we had um, stuff in our face and eating sugar and opening presents and the joy my parents felt around Christmas was uh, was something that I'm trying to carry on into my life with my kids. So, Dad, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, and right after this song, we're going to get to the conversation, so I'll see you on the other side. Just 
to see you as well dad thanks for thanks for joining my back 40 it's been a while <laughs> pardon it's been a while we've wanted to do this yeah. for a while yeah well it's my pleasure indeed steve for sure i took your advice and i uh and i put a, a nice pad here on my on my seat so oh good so it should be okay steve yeah i'm just adjusting levels because you have a booming voice I have one. You have a booming voice. <clears throat> oh, I do? Don't change it. Don't. Don't. Okay. Don't change. I, I can turn your volume down here. All right. So how's it going? Pretty good. Yeah. Great to talk to you. You're looking well as oh, usual. Yeah. Feeling looking rough. Pardon. I'm feeling rough, man. Just beat up. Okay. Oh, just physio, man. That she hit me so hard on Wednesday. She. Uh, she knows I can kind of take a lot of. Um, abuse i think so i don't know how many dry needles i got like a dozen maybe like in different parts all over my lower body like flexors and calves and quads and <laughs> she just worked me hard so was I, it painful uh steven was it painful i don't know i guess it is kind of painful have you ever had those the, the deep, deep, no. deep needles so no. when i when no. i mention needling people are like oh do you mean um acupuncture and it's it's not acupuncture. The ne- the needles are about the same. They're like sixty millimeters long, but they uh, she goes deep. She goes past like into your tissue, into your muscle fibers. So um, it's an interesting feeling because you feel your um, you can feel your muscle trigger. Like she'll find a knot, and then you can feel it deep deep inside your body, and it's just like it's twitching. Or then she'll add a probe and she'll give it some um, voltage, <laughs> <clears throat> and then. Uh, but I do notice I'll sweat. Like she's hit me pretty hard and I'll start to sweat. I'll get all like uh, sympathetic and fight or flight. And she's just like hitting me hard and I'm just lurching on the table. And But then she'll pull the needle out. It was really interesting. So when I lay on my back, my my um, left knee can hyperextend, right? Like my knee can, can lay on the bed, but my right knee can't. And it's because... Um, um, uh, like IT band and flexor and all that stuff is so tight that that my right knee can't just lay on the bed. So she'll 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 measure that. She'll go, oh, that's interesting, and then she'll go in and she'll ball, ball, she'll poke it with a bunch of needles, and then and then whoop, it'll go down. It's crazy. It's the science behind it is really interesting. But yeah, it's not super pleasant. No, but you're hard on your body, son. So too hard, I think. Uh, I know. <laughs> you know all about I that. Know. It's. I do know a little bit about that. Yes. Did you go for your walk this morning? No, but oh, uh, no. right after this uh, conversation, I will be heading into the woods how for far, a couple of hours. How far are you walking? Now I still do my six miles every day. I've been doing it now for. Uh, I think it's just over forty years. That would make sense because I remember when I was was I. <clears throat> Was I 10 years old when you had your back surgeries? 
I think that you were even younger than that, Steve. I feel like it was younger. I recall yeah. I, I recall kind of peeking in the, the hospital window at you while you were in traction. I don't think yes. kids, kids were allowed in the hospital. I, and yes, um, I, I think you were about seven or eight years old. And I always remember you peeking in the window, looking at me and I would wave to you. And, and uh, I think Kim was even holding you up, if I'm not mistaken. Because the windows were uh, windows were pretty high there. What did you have done? You had a couple of discs taken out of your back. Uh, no, just uh, dissolved. Oh, it right. Was years ago, so they used uh, at the time. I think it was called chiopapin injections or something like this. So I had three of them done at that time. Yeah. What what brought that on? Lifting cars. Well, it was just a lot. Yeah, it was uh, when I was a kid, uh, sort of lifting uh, cars to show off. It was uh, a couple of good falls that I had, uh, that kind of good stuff. But it catches up to you, right? Indeed. Kids being idiots, yeah. right? Being an idiot. I know <laughs> I was a idiot back then, for sure. <laughs> Um, so that obviously spawned that because if I recall again, the doctor was saying that um, uh, you, you were going to have to walk with a cane probably for the rest of your life. Well, they had mentioned that, yes, that if I uh, didn't uh, do physiotherapy or develop some kind of an exercise program, I would always walk with a limp. And I was determined not to, of course. So mom would go to the end of the sidewalk with a lawn chair and I would walk from our front porch to the lawn chair. And, and I was doing that pretty successfully. And uh, I just keep moving it and moving it. And pretty soon I was walking a mile uh, without a limp, I guess. And then that went from one mile to four miles to six miles even. So. Yes, it was the uh, it was the exercise that really uh, worked well. And do you keep doing that now? Like I, I remember, I did this. I think I said this in a blog post where I, I remember hearing just the the soft thuds in the living room at a, the exact same time of day where you you'd hit the floor and you had a series of different um, movements that you were doing to to right. do you still do those right. exercises. Yeah, and like I said, it's been over 40 years and I do them every single morning <laughs> just to stretch out my knees and my ankles and my back and uh, that kind of thing. Yes, I still do it every day. I've never stopped. And I think that's what keeps me going more than anything else. And um, consistency, I think, is important. And, I, and I, I think I'm not consistent, but I find that when I get on, on a consistent pattern it seems to seems to be health uh, helpful so talk to me a little bit about um moving in the later years of your life like just this constant exercise every day your six mile walk every day you're working in the shop all the time we're going to get to some of the projects that you work on constantly helping your community but but how important is it to you to to just stay active in your later later years of your life it's my life, Stephen, uh, to stay active and engaged and healthy. I'm uh, 75 years old, so I, I have to keep going. I don't feel my age. Um, you don't look your age either. 
No. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I, I to be honest with you, I, I, I really don't care about that. Uh, it keeps me, uh, I think that when you're physically fit, you're also uh, more mentally fit. And that's the way I feel anyway. So, uh, yes, it keeps me going um, for sure. So I'm uh, really happy about what I do. I also bike ride and walk. And yes, I work in the workshop uh, at the men's shed all the time. And there's a lot of walking to that, a lot of lifting. So it really does keep me fit and socially active as well, right? Yeah, and that's something we'll definitely get to as well with the whole the whole men's shed thing. Because I think in um, what I've noticed just in the last several weeks is in some of the podcasts that I've done is um, the importance of men's mental health. And, and I think that um, there's a whole stigma around that. Um, you know, maybe we can get into it right now. Um, and I was talking to a coach yesterday, um, uh, my friend Paige Royal. Actually, she, she's... Um, Anyway, we were talking about mental health and we were talking about how important it is for women to have support. And and she corrected me. She goes, you know what I think right now men need so much support. And and she said, if, if, you know, if I were to do it again, I'd probably focus more on, on men's health. Um, and so, so let's talk about the men's shed thing then. So I'll just start by saying, I heard a quote, I can't remember the name of the man, but he was a Japanese man. He was a centenarian. He was like 103 or 104 years old. And people asked him, it's like, what's the secret to a long, meaningful and fulfilling life? And out of the top three, he said, never retire. And so when you retired, did you get right into projects right away? Or did you, um, was there kind of an idle time where you, were wanting to enjoy the the narrative of sitting on the beach with a cocktail with your feet up and not doing anything and then realizing that no no I can I've got to keep moving was there a time in your life where where that happened after retirement no not really just got right into it um after I retired we were living in Kelowna in British Columbia and uh we moved back here to Arnprior in the Ottawa Valley and the very first thing mom and I did was uh, start a dragon boat club uh, here in our uh, beautiful community here because we were dragon boaters from Kelowna. And uh, so that was the very first initiative that we started here in this community. And we've never looked back uh, from that. But uh, Stephen, you're right. Uh, men are not as socially active and engaged as women. And uh, we, uh, we tend to die earlier than women, of course. I think that's a proven fact. So um, my mission has, uh, I'm a real advocate for seniors' health. And uh, I think my role is to help uh, just to keep our senior men uh, productive, active, healthy, and engaged. And uh, yeah, and that's a big, big deal to me. And I'm totally committed to it. Uh, um, so um, yeah, men's uh, mental health is, uh, it's really crucial because we have so much to give back. Uh, 
God were so full of wisdom and experience and knowledge and and men just want to be given the opportunity to give that back. Uh, we don't want to sit back on our laurels and uh, just relax and drink martinis and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not for me and it's not for most men really. Uh, but they do want to be connected with their communities. And uh, when you look at the men's shed and the Seniors Act Living Centre and uh, all of those activities, uh, that's what they do. They, uh, they engage senior men and that makes them happy. Um, and it also gives them a chance to, uh, uh, to tinker in a wood shop like ours. Uh, also talk about their friends and families and tell little lies, uh, tell stories to each other. But it also gives them a chance to talk about their physical health. Because I find that uh, in our situation is a lot of the men don't really confide uh, in their family uh, as far as what's troubling them, uh, as far as uh, even things like uh, blood in your urine and all of this kind of stuff. And one guy will say to another one at the men's shed, hey, have you ever had that experience before? So uh, it gives us a chance uh, to, to really be a sounding board and encourage our men to see a doctor, for example. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's why I'm such an advocate for uh, for seniors and not just senior men, senior women as well. So uh, I guess I've taken that on uh, sort of as a mission perhaps, I, I'm not sure, but uh, it's a passion. And as long as I live, I think I'll keep pushing, pushing and pushing some of these things. Uh, as long as people don't get tired of hearing from me all the time. <laughs> but that won't stop me anyway, as you know. So, uh, yeah, thanks for raising the question. That's pretty cool, Steve. What do you think? Um, I mean, what I'm noticing is, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, um, you guys look look at, the next generation and just with, I think sometimes with, with a lot of hope and, and, and pride, but you also see some of the stupid shit that we do and, and some of the decisions that we make, whether it's a career choice or relationships or uh, activity or, or financial decisions that we make. Um, and I think the previous generation to yours probably looked at you guys as just a bunch of like, you know, I'll throw, I'll throw the hippies. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I think as that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it seems like the previous generations as they go, to, I, I feel like, I feel like people are getting, I feel like we're getting softer a little bit in a lot of ways. And um, I guess that's a bit of a weird tangent I just took, but what I'm getting at is why do you think that men in your generation or even in my generation, because it's, it's it's happening in my generation as well. Why do you think that it's um, sharing our difficulties and being vulnerable either with our partners or with other male friends? Why do you think it's so difficult for men to do that? Is it pride? Is it uh, uh, machismo? Is it what is that? I don't know, Stephen. To be honest with you, I know it's not what you want to hear, but. I think that uh, 
Yeah, I think sometimes uh, it was a little bit harder back then. We didn't have all the social media stuff and we didn't have the same communication links that we have today. Um, I think we just felt like we had to keep things inside more and I'm one, I'm one. Um, what happened at home stayed at home. That was the old, I suppose, the old philosophy or way of thinking then. Um, I think a lot of us at our age can't understand uh, how people are so free with information today. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think sometimes it makes maybe your generation a bit more vulnerable to attack, I think sometimes. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but that's the way I feel. Um, we, you know, it brings up so many questions like, uh, you know, what is fatherhood, for example, right? I want to talk a bit about that as well. Yeah, like, uh, who knows how to be a father? I don't. Um, you can, well, yeah, and to be honest with you, I don't either. Uh, we had our children very young, of course, and uh, uh, mom had one way of thinking to bring up our, our kids, and I had another. And so for years, there's always there was always a challenge of uh, reaching that compromise and how to do it best. And even to this day, uh, you're in your 50s and you, you and Kimberly are both in your 50s. And um, I hope that we've done a good job at raising our children. I, I just hope we have. I think that parents do the best they can with what they know in the moments that they're experiencing. I guess I agree. And I had a horrible experience yesterday and, um, you know, I turned it around, you know, when, when, when the kids... You know, I'm sitting in the other room and I hear a fight erupt and I hear a slap fight erupt and my kids hitting each other. I find that really hard to, to, to not, <laughs> to keep in, in control. Right. So it was the big shouting match and, and the go to your rooms and then trying to figure out what happened. And I'll, I'll admit right off the top, I don't, I didn't navigate it well. And I think that, and I don't know if it's, it's the way we're shaped as we're kids. It's what we see as we're kids, you know, like you, I'm sure you can reflect back to the way your, your mother and father interacted with one another and, and that shapes us and, and builds us into the humans that we are. Right. And then not until we meet someone from another, from another background of upbringing, do you realize and, and also age and wisdom that you realize and you look back and reflect on just your, my past 50 years and how I've been, sh how I've shaped myself into an adult, how, um, there's no owner's manual, right? So, <laughs> so we're just, we're, I, I used this analogy yesterday. It's like, you know, we're born with this, with this computer. There's no, no owner's manual for it. And, your experience is people just throwing programs into the computer randomly, just random. You're getting all these experiences and, and wisdom and information and, and, and actually going back just briefly, you, you talked you thought it was harder back when you grew up because of the, the lack of, or because of not having social networking 
as soon as you said that, I would argue that social networking has actually made things more difficult. I agree, Stephen. Yeah. I, I think I agree, yeah. And I mean, you, I, go ahead. No, I was just thinking that uh, my parents and my grandparents, it was up to the years ago now, it seemed to be up to the moms to raise the kids. The fathers went away to work or they were working all the time, right? So the only interaction they had with their family was at mealtime. And then uh, sort of my generation, uh, it seemed that we wanted to be more uh, a part of raising the children. And that caused a lot of uh, difficulties as well, because as you know, mom has one way of thinking about being a good parent and maybe I would have another thought. So it was just, it takes years to sort of uh, make this all gel, if it ever gels. And sometimes it doesn't, of course. So that makes, that causes for a lot of conflict as well, from my experience. So um, I do think now, and I agree with you, Stephen, I think that uh, with all the social media and all this stuff and how to raise your kids and that, uh, must make it very difficult for you guys. So I can see that, you know? I think from my perspective, it does. Um, there's a couple acronyms. One is um, uh, FOPO, F-O-P-O, which is fear of other people's opinions. And then the other acronym oh. is um, FOMO, uh, fear of missing out. And I think what social networking tends to do, and, and I, I'm speaking from my personal experience, is that when when I'm in a, a certain place, emotionally or mentally and I fire up social networking for some reason and I see other dads doing things with their kids that say I wish I could do with my kids um I beat myself up because it's oh, like me. yeah so it's like why why aren't we doing that um you, you know and and so what I've what I've kind of I'm slowly coming to terms with is is that yeah, sure. These kids are genetically yours and, and Chris's, you know, they're our kids. They come from our genetics. They're totally different people. They're completely, Absolutely. completely different people. And, and I see that, but it's also like a mix. It's kind of like a shit mix of our genes. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it, I find it really, it, it's taken me a while to accept that. And I think, um, and I've stopped beating myself up about that and I'm trying to, um, just try to follow their interests more the best I can, the best I, the best I know how to and try to encourage what I see when, when I see them like with Jasper's art or, you know, Jasper's very artistic and very, very smart and, and just quick as a whip. And so is Sloan. They're both really intelligent, but Sloan is a bit more of the jock and Jasper is a bit more of the, the intellectual, right? So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to encourage that the best I can. And I don't know if I'm doing it the right way, but then, you know, we kind of talked about the instruction manual, right? Like we're just, we're just doing the best we can, you know, like what was it like for you? What was it like bringing kids up in the seventies compared to bringing kids up that you experienced, um, bringing kids up today? What what are your well, observations around that? Well, when you're talking about, uh, you, you talk about beating yourself up. And uh, I went through the same thing because we, 
you were born in quite an affluent society, uh, and I should say maybe an affluent community, and all our friends and neighbors always took their kids away for Christmas or ski holidays to uh, to Vermont, or Florida trips during Easter break and all that kind of stuff. We never did that. I think our we were more concentrating on maybe saving our money or something. Everything we did, we tried to save for, you know. And uh, I used to beat myself up a lot about that. Why couldn't we just go ahead and do those things? And when we could afford it, I guess uh, what I always thought was that that time of uh, for a vacation or things like that, if we could afford it, that was something for mom and I. The kids, uh, we did the best for you, but when it come to a real good holiday, I always felt the mom and I, mom particularly, deserved it more than the kids. So when we had our holidays every couple of years, they were good holidays, but we did them on our own. And I think that built a better relationship for, for mom and I. Because sometimes she was the priority. It's not always kids. You know what I mean? You love them and you do everything with them and you encourage them. But my gosh, we still have to celebrate our own lives too. I think uh, that's interesting because um, I'll admit that I'm sure I, I felt, I, I can't speak for Kim, but I felt a bit of resentment when you guys would take off for holidays and leave us with a, with a babysitter. I, I totally felt that, but, but it's funny you say that because that, that pretty much eradicates any resentment. I still, well, I don't really carry much around that anymore, but, but it, it makes sense now. That makes a lot of sense to me now. And now, especially being a dad, you know, and, and we, um, we don't have any money. We don't, we don't have a cent. Every, every, every cent that we make goes into like our home and our taxes and food. And, you know, Christmas for us is, is that sets us back, you know, just trying to have a good Christmas for the kids and, you know, regret, regrettably, I would love to throw all the kids in a plane, the whole family in a plane and, and come to Ontario, but that's thousands of dollars. That of we, course, it that we just don't have right, and uh, and uh, that's uh, that's interesting because I think that's maybe something that's being forgotten is just um, sure family vacations are fine, but but reconnecting with your partner in some way where you can just get away from them because because not only every cent goes into maintaining um, a uh, a safe environment for your kids, but also almost every every uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for but all the bandwidth that you have goes into that as well so all your emotional and and all that bandwidth goes into learning how to be a parent worrying about them being safe especially in this day and age and you we talked earlier like weeks ago about it how it's just doesn't feel as safe. The world just doesn't feel as safe anymore. And I don't know if that's social networking doing that or if that's the media doing that. 
you know, um, propagating just the way uh, news and information is delivered to us and how it's all in silos and we're all just trying to figure out what the truth is, you know, which is why there's so much divisiveness in the world right now. But, you know, the world just doesn't feel as safe anymore. And there are fewer and fewer parents. Like we saw a kid walking up the street the other day. It's like, hey, I can't remember his name. is. hey, buddy, where are you going? It's like, oh, I'm going up to a friend's house. And as he was walking up the street, and he's uh, Sloan's age, so he's six, the mom and dad were backing out of the driveway and taking off. So, so, so our, our approach to that would be get the kid to where he needs to go, right? Okay, all good? Parents, good? Yeah. And then we would go and, and do our thing, right, first. But... You know, you don't see a lot of kids wandering the streets anymore in, unless they're, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old kind of thing. You don't see kids just running around. And even for me to say to my, my kids, and I did it last week because they were just being crazy. And I was like, go up and see your friends. They're, they're literally like five houses up. It didn't give me a lot of anxiety because they're old enough to know, you know where they are. And, but a little bit of anxiety you know, there was a little bit there because, you know, we live in a town with a lot of transient and a lot of out of, pro- out of province people that live here. And, and, you know, I think for the most part, 99% of the people can be trusted, <laughs> but it's that, that small fraction of a percent that, of people that would, you know, may cause your child harm or, and then plus people talking on their phones while they're driving. And it's just not, it doesn't feel as safe anymore, you know? So anyway, I kind of went on a weird tangent there. But yeah, that's that's interesting you say that. Yeah, like taking the time and spending the money on your um, nurturing or cultivating, recultivating, especially because kids just can, you know, do a lot of harm to a relationship, just cultivating the relationship with your partner. I think that's important. Oh, I do too, Stephen. And uh, <clears throat> as you know, we've been married uh, 55 years. And... Uh, um, marriage is hard. It takes a lot of work, even as you get older. It really does. And uh, but uh, we've always made time for each other, and we always will. So um, yeah, I don't know what more I can say. I remember sending uh, you and Kim out to play, and you would wander the streets at. Uh, maybe six or seven, eight years old, and we never worried about it. You went down the street. Uh, today, I think I would uh, worry about that. Even <laughs> even in Deep River, Ontario, do you think that a town of 5,000 people, would you still kind of have that anxiety? Uh, today, yes, I may. I might, I think. But of course, it's been years since we raised, uh, it's been years since you were seven or eight years old. But uh, I, we felt a bit lucky because we always felt that uh, you and Kimberly were uh, very independent. And uh, I guess we always push for that. Think for yourselves. Use your head. And, uh, and if you stepped out of line, I guess I was more the disciplinarian. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> times have changed. T- times have changed and, and they're going to continue to change, right? They're going to continue to change. And I think a lot of people are seeing the, a lot more people are, are waking up to kind of what's, what's going on with government and, and social networking and um, 
news delivery and, and, um, and, and we can see that with pandemic and, you know, I, I talked to someone, someone equated, this is a bit of a, a tangent, but with all the misinformation going around, and I wrote a blog post about this, if people are interested in reading it, and it's called belief, it's on my website, but I ended up talking to this dude and, and, you know, he said he was religious. I was like, Oh, that's great. And, and, and he said something else. I can't remember what it was. that sparked my curiosity, but, but he mentioned, I said, dude, are you a flat earther? Do you believe the earth is flat? And he's like, yeah, I believe the earth is flat. And then we got into a conversation about that. And I was just floored, floored by it and really curious about it and how you, how you'd come from that. But then take another quick tangent to another person who, who I talk, who's a listener of the podcast and great dude, great writer. Um, um, really like the guy. Um, but very, um, if you could say convax, just not anti-vax. He's not into the vaccine, especially during this pandemic. He's like, I do not vaccinate. This is all bullshit. It's a hoax, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's dissonance for me with that. But he read, he read that blog and he said, that was a really good read. And he goes, you know, I had to laugh because us folks who are anti-vaccination equate you guys who are pro-vax with flat earthers. So, so they're looking at us and, and there's this dissonance between, like I said before, silos, right? There's all of these silos of information and um, everyone's throwing shit at each other, right? But no one's just sitting down just to talk about it. You know, and, and after I finished that conversation with the flatter and, and, you know, this dude, the, the anti-vax guy, we talk and he sends me stuff back and, you know, articles. I don't, I don't inundate him with, with, with some of the research that I've read and stuff. I just, I don't want to really get into the conversation, but I think it's a conversation that's worth having. And I think it's worth having respectfully because everyone has a different belief. And then I started thinking like every, everybody's human experience is like their fingerprints. Everyone's experiencing life. Um, differently. You know, we don't know what's going on in the next dude's skull. We have no idea what's going on inside their head. But if you can just sit down and just have a conversation about it, like fatherhood styles or, or, or in the case of, of men, like just like why men feel the way they do. And, and if, if some, you know, I'm, I'm very vulnerable and, and I find that to the vulnerability side of it, being open to these conversations, whether it's mental health or flat earth, I think just to be able to sit down and just talk to someone about it. And we, you know, I'm not trying to convince them. There's no convincing them. There's no convincing someone who's anti-vax. There's no convincing people who are more afraid of the medicine than they are of the, the disease that, that, that that's in my opinion, in my experience is the wrong way to think of it. There's no, but, but if you can just have a chat about it, and then shake hands and go separate ways, like the, the flat earther dude, he was like, you know what? I said to him, I said, I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm glad. He goes, you know what? I did too. And thanks for letting me talk about it and not judging me, you know, because I don't, I don't talk to many people about that. And I think that that goes right back to what you were talking about, the men's shed. I know we've taken so many tangents because of the tech difficulties, but I want to talk more about the men's shed. So when you retired, how did you stumble upon that project and where did you, uh, yeah, what was the catalyst for you um, stumbling on Men's Shed and opening your own? And actually you've opened or helped open many, have you not? Yes, uh, I'm an advocate for seniors' health, Stephen, and stuff like that. But um, 
The impetus for me, I guess, was uh, when I first arrived in this community where we live in beautiful, the greater, uh, the greater empire region, in fact, um, it's just witnessing a lot of uh, senior men um, not really uh, being engaged, staying by themselves. Uh, I did witness uh, witness a lot of loneliness and uh, isolation in, in senior men. And uh, the only way to really combat that is to bring everybody together somehow. And uh, the start of that, of course, was the Dragon Boat Club to start with. And then, uh, of course, the Seniors Act of Living Center, which I was part of. And then the Men's Shed came after that. And then uh, sitting on different committee, the committees that dealt with seniors. So I just wanted to pave the way for something exciting to happen. And I was very fortunate in that I had a team around me that would help me make this happen. So we were talking a while about all these awards that I've won, and I'm so proud and honored to receive them. But I accept them on behalf of uh, a huge team that I surround myself with uh, to make it all happen. So I'm very fortunate that way. So uh, I guess that was the impetus to uh, try and make a difference. Uh, senior men like to give back, right? And I wanted to give back because I had a pretty good life. Uh, so if I could share that with someone, I wanted to do that. And mom felt the same way uh, herself, really. So she's involved with the community uh, significantly as well. So uh, I, I don't know whether that answers your question, Stephen, but again, it's all about giving back. And if you can, do it. Well, yeah, you noticed, you said you noticed um a lot of lonely seniors, you, you noticed a low level of engagement um, and you wanted to give back to your community. Um, where did you d discover the idea of, of the men's shed? Like, did you find that online or? Yeah. Uh, I was sitting in the doctor's office one day and there was this article about uh, men's sheds in a place called, a beautiful place called uh, uh, Carton Place, I think it was. And uh, I read this, and it was about uh, three paragraphs long. And it was that it was during the same time that we were starting to form a Seniors Act of Living Center, and we were looking for innovative programming. And I read this article, and I thought, hey, that's really cool because it brings senior men together with a common vision. And uh, so I thought. We're going to do that here. <laughs> so I embraced the idea. And then, the, of course, the challenge was to have uh, engaged with others who would embrace that idea as well. So I was very fortunate to have a good seat on the Seniors Active Living Center Advisory Committee. Uh, and uh, so we marketed that idea and uh, we sold it to the executive teams in, in the area. And now we have a Seniors Active Living Center and a men's shed. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's what we did. And did that just explode? Like, did you, did you, like, how's the growth been? Was it, was it fairly organic? Like, obviously, it's a lot of work, 
but but did it was it well received in the community like instantly and and men was just flocking to this place like zombies or was it something that you had to get out there and and talk to to individual men and just say look this is who i am this is what i'm doing are you interested like what do you think what's the growth been like well, of course, uh, the senior or the uh, men's shed is part of the Seniors Active Living Centre, which all falls under uh, Arnprior Regional Health, which is our hospital here. So the very first thing was to form a Seniors Active Living Centre. And we had a debate starting out, how many people, how many seniors could we expect? And uh, the discussion around the table was that we would never ever get more than 200 seniors and i argued against that and i said we have to plan for 350. And they said oh no no and i said we really do so anyway we plan we plan for 350 and uh, we did get 350 the next year we were uh, i think it was around 400 and some and this year we're looking at a figure of about 700 and they tell us that uh, we are one of the fastest growing seniors active living centers in the province of Ontario. And I really boast about that because that's a pretty cool situation to be in. So now as a result of that, that creates other obstacles and that we're running out of room. So we try and expand again. And our men's shed, uh, we started uh, with five of us and now we have 38 and we're going again there. So everything that we started, uh, it's been quite successful with the team that I'm surrounded with. But it was it was a matter of selling it to the hospitals. It was a matter of selling it to community groups and organizations. And that was part of our marketing campaign. And, uh, you know, forming good relationships with our politicians, our, our local councils. Rotary, Lions Clubs, Optimus Clubs. So they are—they were all part of the growth and development for all these uh, for all these activities. But anything that's going to be successful is a total community initiative. So you have to engage the full community in any of these things, and uh, and it takes work to do that. I don't know, Stephen. Did that answer any of your question? Sorry, I was just I've just been writing stuff down as we go. Yeah. I noticed you have a pen in your hand as well. I've tr- I try to take notes. I never really learned how to take notes very well, but no, it totally did. Because I, I wanted to know, um, um, when when you deliver something that the people really want, you're going to see, you know, for lack of a better word, viral viral growth of that idea, right? Yeah. So yeah. so that was. Uh, that's awesome. It must bring you a lot of meaning. It is probably the last uh, 10 years have probably been the best times of my life. It's changed me. And uh, it's wonderful engaging the community. And if you do it with respect and sincerity to bring the community on board, Yes, things seem to spin out of control for the positive, really. And with uh, the social media stuff, of course, as you know, I'm not very computer literate at all. And that's okay. 
but I do surround myself with people who are. And uh, everything that we do, we try to engage youth as part of our intergenerational programming as well. So we have a lot of youth and uh, that step up and help us with social media. We have production teams. Uh, we have uh, uh, my uh, biggest teacher is your mother. She's really quite uh, technically savvy. And yes, I really thanks, mom, for getting us hooked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yes, these are all good things, Stephen. And uh, um, but again, it's all of these things. Uh, it's the community that have made it uh, have made it happen, right? So, uh, so when I accept these awards, I always accept them not for me because I'm a little humbled by these things. But I always accept them on behalf of the community that we serve, you know. So I've always done that. Even when you were growing up in the different committees and activity I was involved in, it was always, it takes a team to deliver, right? No one has all the answers. I certainly don't. So uh, just surrounding yourself with a powerful team uh, it takes a bit of skill to do that too. So I guess that's one of the things that I have in my tool belt uh, uh, and the organization ability, I've I've uh, always been sort of good at that. But uh, anyway, well, you said something that really no that that was fantastic. You said something that was that really resonated there, and I've said it to other people. I think sometimes parents don't think their kids listen, but <laughs> but what you yeah. just said, and I want I want I want to tell you this, and I can't remember how old I was when you said this. Um, um, you were the uh, director of security at atomic energy of Canada. That was kind of, we're going way back, but you said something to me once that's, I still, uh, and I'm, I still remember. And you said that kind of the same thing. It's like, Steven, I don't know anything, but the job of a director is to surround themselves with people that do know a lot about stuff. And then my job is to facilitate that team and give them the tools that they need to do the job in the best they can um, to have the best result of a project or, a, or whatever. Right. So I heard that and that's still in here in my computer, some, a good piece of software, a good piece of software that was installed back in the day. And, and you, you, you keep saying these things that I remember you, um, kind of preaching back in the day and, and, and about having the toolkit and how, what I think is also interesting is how just, I'm not super spiritual or this is going to sound kind of woo woo, but the universe kind of gives us things sometimes that we don't really expect like interactions with people or conversations with, with coaches or, um, and the thing that you said, um, about sitting in the doctor's office and reading a three paragraph article about men's shed was like the universe throwing this thing in your face. Right, right. And it, and it didn't really, it was never really on your radar. Of course, I think at that point you were, you were part of the senior active living center at the time. And you were probably look, maybe you were searching for a project. So oh, how can I give back? How can I, um, what do you think about that? Like, uh, like about paying attention to things like that. Like I, I think sometimes, and I speak for myself and being an, an older getting on like as an, as an older guy, but I never really paid attention I just, I just didn't pay attention 
to stuff. And I think if I had paid more, more attention to, um, these things that come your way, um, that I, it would have shaped me differently in some way. Has that been your experience through life? Have you, have you noticed these things that kind of just drop in your lap and you're just like, Oh yeah, I think that, uh, we have to take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us. And a lot of them do land in our laps, but we don't listen. We, uh, and again, I'm not being critical. Sometimes people don't listen. They don't listen to themselves and they don't listen to other people around them. And, and I think that's really, uh, I, I, I think that's very unfortunate. You just have to listen and just take advantage of all the things. If you, if you sit step back and listen to all these things that are happening around you, something's going to resonate. And if it resonates with you, that means it's worthwhile to pursue. Just like you're doing, Stephen. Look at your podcasts. I mean, uh, this didn't, this, <laughs> this was an opportunity that you pursued, right? You listened, you, uh, this, these podcasts and all these, you were always a wonderful writer. I would disagree and, with that, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm yeah, exercising and, that muscle as much as I can. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I don't really care if you disagree with <laughs> it or not. But anyway, uh, you always had uh, uh, a good talent, and uh, you used your head and your hands and stuff very, very well. And we saw that, Mom and I, years growing up. Even if It was the same with Kim and what she does best. We could see that building in her. But uh, and our job is to, as parents, you see that, you, you listen, try to listen to your kids, and then you try to nurture where they're, you know, where they're going with, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, like uh, nudge them. Yeah, you, you, uh, you see in your kids some abilities, and then uh, a parent will take, listen and, and read that, and then help their child grow, and you push them in that direction, if you will. And uh, you, you, uh, you weren't a team sports player, but you were an individual competitor and you loved independent sports. So anyway, we ended up driving you all over the freaking world, it seemed, snowboarding, swimming. And uh, uh, with Kimberly, it was public speaking. We sort of tried to push her towards... Uh, radio, television broadcasting, things like this, you know? And uh, so I think people just have to listen to themselves and others. And when you're talking to someone or reading something, sit back for a minute and give a two-minute thought. And if something says, hey, I can do that, God, do it. Make it work. Surround yourself with people who can make it work for you. And you have so much respect out there, Stephen. Uh, we see it on social media. Yeah, don't shrug. You do. And uh, you really emotional? Do. No, don't be emotional at all. But uh, this has to come easy, and you've worked at it. So, uh, and look what it's brought you. Peace of mind, respect. Uh, you're very knowledgeable at so many different things. So, you're, And you're broadcasting that out there. So you're doing, 
you are engaging people in your beliefs and the way you feel. And uh, uh, what a wonderful opportunity. So my advice to you, my son, who I love so much, just don't stop. Just keep doing it. You'd be surprised the benefits that are coming your way. Believe me. I just need a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, uh, anyway, that's the way I honestly feel. And But again, take advantage of opportunities that come your way. And sometimes people just don't do that, you know. I think you see that maybe as you get older. I think it seems to resonate more as you grow older and you're more experienced and knowledgeable and stuff. I wonder if it has to do with the reduction of testosterone as we get older and our ego dissolving a little bit. <laughs> we're not, I don't know. We're I not, know. We're, we're, you know, I, I still think actually I, I mentioned this the other day too. It's, and thank thank you for the kind words. You guys have been very supportive and um, I hope the stuff I say, um, I think I'm really sensitive about things I say um, pissing, pissing people off because try to do things really respectfully and you know, I'm not going to get into names or, or particulars, but something, something happened recently and, and you know, I, I put out some content and, and it wasn't shared and it wasn't by that person, which really would have really helped me out because that person has a lot of exposure. And I started overanalyzing why, why did this person, and I feel that that person has canceled me and, um, I can I can think of a couple things that I said. I reached out to to some people I trust in the community to ask, you know, did you absorb this content? You know, did, did I say something in this that might have? Because you know, I wanna I don't want to do it again. Like I don't want to if I'm saying things that are are um, rubbing people the wrong way. And I don't I really work hard to try to avoid that stuff, um, especially in this day and age, right? I I just wanna I just wanna have good conversations, but. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I do wonder. So what I was getting at before is I heard this the other day that um, there have been 150,000 generations of hunter-gatherers, right? And there's only been like 100 generations of modern society. Say, say 300, it doesn't matter. The fraction is so tiny. And I think a lot of the um, the way we behave in society is because we're apes right? We're still kind of like hairless apes wandering around. We're primarily wired. And so going back to what I was saying about ego, I think when you're young, you're constantly doing things to massage your ego. I can do this. I can do that. I can win that. I can get that girl. I can make a lot of money. I can boom, boom, boom. It's just ego, 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 ego. And I just find that maybe um, the older I get, the more open I, I am. And the older I get, the more I, more insight I have into my past behaviors and the more, the more, um, the older I am and the more experience I have with other people and the wisdom I, I collect from other people like you or podcast guests or flat earthers or, you know, whatever. I'm just open and receptive to that and also vulnerable to, to that as well. Like being more open with people. Come on in, buddy. I'm talking to talking to Papa. Oh yeah. Say hi to Papa. Good morning, Jasper. How are you, Nana? Hey. Good. You're looking well. It's been so long since we've seen each other, right? Yeah, we haven't had. Yeah, we're here. Oh, 
Beautiful. What's her name again? It's Wolfie. So this cat, this cat will jump into the wood box that I bring in all the time that we bring in to make fires and, and, and this cat will pull a stick out and play fetch with a stick. We yeah, can throw yeah, sticks. Really? Like... <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> nice to see you, Jasper. brought back any birds or mice yet. Not yet. Oh, but okay. once or twice I've seen him poking around in my mint. Oh, oh in your mint. Yeah. yeah. Like poking around, dabbing his nose. Yeah. You know what he's probably doing? What? Taking a poop in your mint. Yeah. I really don't care because it's about cause it's about to die anyway. Yeah, it's really cold today. Can we watch a couple more shows? Yeah, is, has mommy gone for work? Yeah. Okay. Can I play some other games? Well, just watch some shows together and then some cartoons and I'll be up, okay? okay. C- could you close the door for me, Jasper? How many minutes? Oh, I don't know. That, uh, Papa likes to talk a lot, so. <laughs> Bye-bye, Jasper. <laughs> Papa says bye. bye. <laughs> so yeah crazy eh like yeah i don't even know what we were talking about oh just talking about the ego and chasing the ego and stuff and i think too um the other thing that that um that breaks me down is um having kids i never wanted to have kids you know i i, I met a woman uh who i love very much who wanted to have children i was like yeah let's have We'll do it. We'll have some kids, but not until you have kids. It's, it's like looking in a mirror every day, not, not, not genetically, but behaviorally, right? Like you can see like, like you've made comments when we're talking on, on, and let's get together later and, and on video like this again. So you can see the kids. I'm sorry. It was just, life's been so crazy, man. But, um, you notice things when you talk to them. It's like, and I see you guys whispering. It's like, Oh, look, he did that. Stephen used to do that you know like i just think it's so fascinating and 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 you know um having kids i think makes you really re- reevaluate who you are as a person as well and and especially when you make mistakes like you make a mistake with them like i was talking about earlier like blowing my top because you know they had a slap fight or whatever i don't know how to navigate those things right i just i just don't know how to navigate that cuz if i saw if I, if I saw two of my friends beating the crap out of each other i'd probably be the same way I'd be, what are you doing i just lose my mind right but kids are different right and you have to handle them differently and i can't i'm just learning on the fly and it's it's um and that adds a lot of stress and and to to mental health as well because i don't want to i don't want to behave in ways that, that are going to shape them i want them to be good humans right and treat treat people with respect and you know what they really are they're polite you know, they say please and thank you. And so I think a lot of the fundamental things that, that, that Chris and I are, are teaching the kids, um, the, the really, really important things, like just being respectful, being kind, being polite. I just wish they'd do it with each other. <laughs> how, did, how, did, how did Kim and I behave? Like, did we beat the crap out of same each way. other? Same way? The same way, Kim, uh, Kimberly always picked on you, and we were always uh, the referee, if you will. But uh, but anyway, you had a good bond and uh, that kind of thing, and uh, and that's good. And I think now we have a great bond, Kim. If you're good. listening, I love you so much, and she's been so. You know, I know we're so far away. You know, we're so far away from you guys. And, and sometimes I re- really regret that. I regret, because I see, 
because that's that's a trend that's another societal trend that's happening is kids just want to get as far away from possible as they're from their place of birth or their where, where they spent their childhood but then i of see course. people and i don't know if anyone in deep river listens to this of my age but i know that there's some people who moved back to deep river because they knew that you know it's a small town um i would assume it's still it's a very safe town um you know i'm not sure what the job situation is with atomic energy of canada whether that's just completely dissolved but you know there's hydro out there ontario Mm -hmm. hydro and and so um in some ways i regret leaving you know and i I love being in the mountains um why do you think that is why do you think kids are so uh determined to to move to somewhere else you're laughing you're (laughs) No, I, I would think that for us, it was no different for me. Uh, I just wanted to move away from uh, my parents and the community and be more independent, uh, meet new people, uh, you know, uh, have more experiences. Um, just another way of life, I guess. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. But you're right about one thing. Even here in Armprior, there are a lot of uh, younger folks moving back because they like the uh, the small town uh, feeling, if you will. But the only thing we have to do is make sure there's some real good job opportunities for them to actually encourage them to come back. And we're working on that as well now. So that's in your scope of, of retirement work as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, uh, and, and it, and the reason is that a lot of our seniors, uh, would love nothing better than to have their children, uh, be closer to their kids and move back home. Right. They want that. So, uh, we just have to do our best to see if we can achieve something like that for them. And we have to work hard to do that. So yes, that's part of our mission and mandate as a, as an advocate for seniors and uh, things like that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was kind of flipping back and forth trying to go over all the all the uh, recognition that you've received, but I'm going to put that in the show notes so I, I can't go and list all the. Is is there is there um, a particular um, award or or piece of recognition that you received that that just blew you away? <laughs> Every time I receive a war, uh, an award, Stephen, it blows me away. I, I just, uh, uh, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, it, and everyone is so unexpected, and you, you just don't, uh, the stuff that you do, you don't do it to receive an award. But uh, this has been a wonderful year for me and uh, and our family. Uh, the first, uh, I guess, was being named uh, a Paul Harris Fellow by the Rotary Foundation of, uh, by the uh, International Rotary Foundation of Rotary International. That was a great honor to be recognized as a fellow. Just blew my mind. I had no idea it was even coming. And I guess shortly a couple months after that was uh, winning the uh, or being nominated uh, for the Seniors Achievement Award for the province of Ontario. There was 15 of us that uh, that actually uh, 
received this award and it was for uh, hard work and dedication and exceptional uh, a contribution to the uh, to our community that was the reason for the award but anyway both these awards uh, i did accept them with so much gratitude but on behalf of the uh, uh, on behalf of our communities right as I keep saying it, it still takes a volunteer community to make all this thing happen. So, uh, so this year that was just uh, so amazing. Uh, um, anyway, I don't know what to say about that. I get emotional about these things as well. I didn't so. want to. I didn't want to put you on the spot either. I know it's it's difficult, just as it was difficult for you to to express your pride in, in some of the stuff I'm doing. It's hard for me to accept that. Um, perhaps, right. perhaps that's imposter syndrome, which is something that's pretty common with a lot of people who are, um, putting themselves out there. Um, congratulations on everything you're doing. I don't know if I've, I've officially ever told you that, but I think Kim and I are super proud of what you're doing. And I think we worry about you a little bit. <laughs> well, just because, you know, you're 75. I mean, if I can still do what you're doing and have the there's a lot of people who don't have the mental acuity in their 70s when their 70s and 80s to, to be able to continue to do something like that. But I think it's a muscle that you need to exercise, right? If 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 you just were to go dormant, then yeah. Um, something that I, I kind of talked about a couple times too is is the idea, which I think what you're doing facilitates that is the idea of um, life uh, health span over lifespan. It's like. Some people want to live a long time, but they're not considering their health over that long period of time, right? Like the idea is you can live a long time if you're, if you're getting injected with drugs and, and, and stuff like to, 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 to deal with all the physiological issues we can have. But the idea of, 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 of health, uh, health span, being healthy for as long as you possibly can, and then and then to have it drop off, live, live the, the best, most meaningful life you possibly can with movement and um, uh, mental acuity and, and uh, meaningful work, um, et cetera, I think is really important. And you're, you're setting an example for that. Well, uh, I hope so, Stephen, that uh, being physically checked uh, is something that uh, I've always uh, right from when I was a young guy, I always felt very strongly about uh, being, uh, uh, I, I suppose, uh, mentally fit. Um, you don't really consider that until you start getting older, I guess. And uh, so um, doing all that, uh, belong, you know, being part of the community and sitting on all these committees and doing my physical exercises uh, makes me happy. And I hope I will live longer. If not, I've done my best. So whatever comes, <laughs> comes. But I'm sure in hell not going to worry about it, to be honest with you. You know, and I guess the other thing, none of this could have happened. Um, you have to have a pretty supporting wife <laughs> to do what we do, right? And if you don't have that support, then uh, you you just can't accomplish things, you know. So uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time and effort doing it. And, uh, but again, I have good support. I have a good infrastructure around me. So I'm going to pivot a little bit, and uh, this has been non chronological, 
So, uh, you know, just the way it's been with our tech and whatnot. But how is it being a father and you were an officer with the Ontario Provincial Police when, when I was a child? I can't remember when you transitioned from um, law enforcement to uh, Atomic Energy of Canada, but that must have been a very stressful time in your life. I mean, even though we lived in a small area, you used to share stories with us about some of the stuff you had to deal with. And it was kind of, I wouldn't say it's, it was terrifying at the time. When I think back now as, a, as an adult, um, I don't know why it wasn't terrifying because you're putting your ass on the line like all the time. And, and some of the things that you've dealt with and you had to see um, must have been really, really stressful. How was it being a, a police officer in that part of Ontario and having a young family? Was that, was that difficult and stressful? Well, I think any uh, uh, being a policeman is stressful. Uh, um, I don't know how to. Uh, anyway, it is a stressful uh, um, job, of course. I think for me, what it did was uh, it made me more protective of my family. It made me more protective of mom and you and Kim. Uh, it made me worry because uh, I was posted to a couple of detachments and drugs were always a big, big problem. And uh, we, uh, for me, I was, uh, I just didn't want you kids uh, getting involved in that kind of stuff because I've seen what could happen as a result of it. So I was very, I, I, I can't even, uh, just protective, I guess. And the other thing is that I did a lot of that work. And I just, as a policeman, I didn't want to be embarrassed. In other words, we're enforcing those laws. And uh, we're enforcing those laws. And uh, I just wouldn't want to be embarrassed to have been an enforcer and having our kids doing drugs behind my back. So that was always... Uh, always a concern to me and just to stop hello sweetheart <laughs> how are you hi Sloan. Hi. did you say hi yeah i just couldn't hear you it's good to see you how are you doing good you're looking great thanks yeah you look like a little princess there what love your hair i love your hair thanks. It does have beautiful hair. You know what you need to do, though? You need to brush your hair, honey. <gasps> right? Must be hard to it do. It is hard to do, especially when I'm you don't do it. I'm to do it. <laughs> Did you tell Nana and Papa what we got yesterday? We got, we got a, a keyboard. We got a keyboard. No oh, way. Yeah. Yes way. Yes way. Yes way. Yes way. Okay. You know what? We'll, we'll have a dance party later, okay? Okay. You guys can DJ. Yeah, you like that? Okay. Are you guys doing okay up there? Yeah. Mommy's not here, right? No. You guys are being very quiet, and I appreciate that. We're going to have a good day today. We're on a nice Sunday, okay? I want to play the keyboard. Um, let's just, can you give me about 20, 20 minutes? Please. That's one show. Sure. That's one show worth. Can you give me 20 minutes? Okay. Just because if you guys start pounding around upstairs... I'm not Rich Roll. I don't have a detached studio where I can go and 
And then you know what else we'll do later in this, this afternoon? What? We'll try to hook up and have a chat with Nana and Papa, okay? Okay. Yeah? Okay. Can you give me 20 minutes? <laughs> Bye, sweetheart. Bye. We'll see you later. <laughs> okay. See you later, Ella. Okay, honey. Thanks, lovey. And can you close the door, please? Thank you. I'll be. I won't be long. Okay. Just don't. I just don't want to hear a lot of noise. Okay, honey. I love you. So I guess Stephen, in a nutshell, uh, being a policeman, uh, I guess makes you uh, more protective of your family, really. And uh, when you see injured people, you just uh, hope and pray that it never happens to your children. Was the reason you transitioned from law enforcement to um, um, Atomic Energy of Canada? Was it um, part of that? Was was part of that just to be safer? No, it it was just uh, it was another uh, wonderful opportunity to uh, to do new things and uh, and uh, you know it was it, with the Ontario Provincial Police. Of course, there was a lot of weekends involved, a lot of weekends. So this was uh, an opportunity to have a, a day job, but also uh, a job with uh, with different responsibilities. And uh, I felt it was a, a real learning curve for where I was uh, trying to uh, uh, move forward with, if you will. And I, and I think another, uh, again, adding to your toolkit, right? Which, which I would say, yeah. I would say, um, the work you did with Atomic Energy and being a director of of a of a security team probably gave you a lot of those tools that you're you're bringing into your, your retired life and you know doing grant proposals and you know, lots of writing and public speaking and, and, and again, managing teams and whatnot to, to, you know, to, to accomplish your goals. So. Oh, working for Atomic Energy of Canada was a very, very rewarding experience for me. And it helped me grow a lot. And you're right. Public speaking, developing proposals, uh, uh, working with teams and, uh, things like that. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that time. Um, yeah, it was just a great experience for us all around. And then stepping back even further chronologically, you were also a chef. Oh, of course I left school and, uh, I think as a teenager, I worked and, uh, I was always working nights, weekends, uh, right from when I was about 14 years old. And one of the great jobs I had, of course, was working in the Shamrock Restaurant in downtown Bancroft. (laughs) I worked for uh, a man by the name of Morris Leon. And people will remember him, of course. He was, again, a chef. And I trained under him. And uh, Anyway, as a result of that, I went off to chef training school and I specialized in, in uh, French gourmet and French cuisine. And uh, I had aspired to work on ships and uh, big hotels and things like this, which uh, uh, I did as far as hotels in Toronto and places like that. But um, I don't know. Uh, life changes. Life throws opportunities at you that you can't resist. And uh, I left because uh, Kim was a baby and and uh, I needed to spend more time at home. 
And uh, so anyway, yeah, that was a wonderful experience. I don't think there was, I've ever had uh, a working experience that uh, I never really truly disliked. I always knew that there was something to learn and uh, it was sort of a step on the ladder moving to somewhere else, I guess. Um, anyway, I wanted to take my family in a whole new direction and to start a new life. And uh, this is what we did. Right. So I remember you tell yeah. us, tell, telling Kim and I some, some Gordon Ramsay esque experiences that you had in kitchens where you had, would have your chef just like screaming orders at you. And I remember you telling me once that you had your hand on an iron pan and you were about to swing it and hit the dude in the head with it because he was being so disrespectful to you. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Uh, working in the hotels under an apprenticeship program, it was, and again, this is so many years ago, but I can remember uh, Chef Igor Sukor was his name. He was from the Ukraine, and he was one of our main teachers. And I remember him uh, uh, berating me. And I couldn't understand why I was doing it, and I told him to stop. And he kept on, and I, I'll never forget that. I actually grabbed a frying pan and took a couple of steps toward him, and he took a couple of steps back, and he waved me on. He said, come on. Come on and see what you got. And I stared at him, and I, I felt so bad that I had lost it. So I put down the frying pan, he made me wash a whole pile of dishes for the whole day, not dishes, big, huge pots. I couldn't sleep that night because I knew I had blown it with him. Next morning, I came into work and I knocked on his door in his office. He said, you want to try me again? I'll never forget that. And I said, no, but I'm here to apologize. And we became the best of friends after that. <laughs> Crazy times, right? You're, you're probably um, the same people, in a way. You're probably you were probably you probably shared a kinship with him in some way, as, as much Maybe. as you wanted to to pan him, and, and he was egging you on. It's it's like you yeah. you probably shared some something with him. I don't know. Could be. Um, how old were you then? <laughs> in your twenties? Uh, perhaps. Uh, Oh, 1920, something like that. That's an interesting lesson learned right there that probably shaped the rest of your life is, is, um, accountability. Do you think? Uh, I think so. I, I have never, uh, I've never forgotten that experience. And, uh, yeah, I can always re remember my mother, uh, your grandmother, uh, saying that if I did something wrong to somebody, she would actually take me to that person and make me apologize. Very embarrassing times. But I did that. So um, no one likes confrontation, right? So uh, now I can handle the, the confrontations, I think, better than I ever could. I would rather not get involved with it, so I'll maybe smile and give a nod and uh, maybe walk away. <laughs> Do you have, um, you know, I'll be completely, I'm, I'm an angry guy. 
I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I struggle with it all the time. I have a short fuse. Um, what kind of strategies do you have for me? I'm asking you as a dad when, when something sets me off, whether it be at work or at home or a confrontation with someone. And I don't, I'm very non-confrontational. I don't like confrontation and it doesn't happen that often. But when I do get angry, I have a hard time putting a cap on it. Do you have a strategy around that? No, no. Just let her rip. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the same way. Uh, as I've got older, I have a short fuse. Uh, you know that. You've you've been on the other end of it. I feel the same way, dude. About what happened the other day with me and Jasper. So it's horrible. So. Um, yeah, as you get older, you learn to cope with these things a little bit more, better, I should say. Um, no, I don't have a strategy, Stephen. I really don't. Uh, I'm not ever afraid to say that uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm always saying that it seems. Me too. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Uh, as long as you can leave the confrontation with everybody feeling some sort of respect for each other, I think that's that's I think that's good. I've always tried to do that in my situations as well, and it, it's it almost seems like mm-hmm. um, I hate having to do it. It's so embarrassing to to uh, mm-hmm. you know the short fuse fires off, and then um, um, we don't hit our kids at all. Um, so it seems like the only tool that we have is, well, that I have is, is the volume and the intensity. Right. And, uh, but that's scary. It's so scary for them. And, you know, when the kids beat the, beaten up on each other the other day, I got so angry. I was so, so, so angry, but I always try to make a point of, um, and I don't know if they're too young for this, like, but I always make a point of going back and and um trying to calm down and speak to them and apologize to them for my behavior and kind of tell them that it's not right and i'm sorry i did it and i always try to end it on a high note and but i think it i think it gives them anxiety you know cuz they just want to do the right thing you know kids just want to do the right thing and then and when when they don't and and uh it goes sideways like that for me i, I just always try to make it right um, yeah, I just, I just wondered if you wanted to share something like that, but I, I appreciate your vulnerability sharing that. And you know what, dad, <sighs> fucking love you guys. You did it such a great job. You did. It's, you know, being a parent now, I could tell how, how much of a struggle it, it is and how, again, like I was saying before, it's just a reflection of, of your behavior and, and how, um, it's so it's so we don't want to fuck our kids up. We certainly don't want to, and we certainly don't want to pass on um, undesirable traits to them. But it's just like you can't be. You try. There's so much pressure to be on all the time. You know, try to be on and patient, and and d- despite the despite the anger, um, it, it's it's just, I still love them. Like it, it's not a reflection on that as well of course it isn't i think uh, what you're saying is that it 
uh, you're a human being, Stephen. Just like me and just like a lot of other dads out there, we do the best we can. And of course, we're going to get angry at our kids. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, to be honest with you. I think it shows our kids that we're human as well and that we have feelings. And uh, having a conversation after uh, with respect uh, is is wonderful. We can't always be right, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think too, I'm trying to I'm trying to um, work on my relationship with my kids so that they know. And I think it's working um, that they can they can um, talk to us. Or, or talk to me, you know, cause I, th- I think the dad is the big scary guy sometimes. Right. Like, um, I mean, I, I have definitely not, again, we, we don't, we don't corporal, there's no corporal punishment here, but you know, the fathers tend to, at least in my experience, um, parent with a heavier hand than, than the moms do a little bit. And, um, and I think that the dads are a bit scarier, you know, like I can just throw a look now. <laughs> And they know, they're like, oh shit, you know, but, but, but I still, I want it, I want to be, and I think, I think that I, well, I've always felt very open with you guys. Like I can remember when I first left home, I remember um, driving and the first place I camped was in uh, Wawa and I, I opened a care package that you guys gave. And there was a, I think I, we had did my, done my, um, celebrated my birthday, maybe a day or two before I, I got in the car and left. And uh, inside there was a piece of cake with a note in it. And I just fucking cried. I just, you know, and, and I wasn't ex- an experienced wild camper, kind of like I am now sleeping in ditches in the woods and stuff. But, um, you know, I remember, you know, basically using an entire can of lighter fluid to get a fire started. So I could sit by the fire and, and I, I remember just sobbing in the dark and, and it, and it was, it didn't want, it didn't want, it didn't make me want to go back. It, 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 it made me want to go forward knowing that I had the yeah. support from you guys. And, and I feel like, uh, I can only speak for myself that, that we've had a pretty, um, open, um, relationship. Like whenever I had a problem, we could all, I, I always felt I could come and talk to you guys about it. Wonderful news to hear, Stephen. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and and you have, you know, you've experienced that. I've, 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 you know, I've shared a lot of stuff with you about my struggles with with anger mm-hmm. and relationships and fucking life and career and mistakes and and it's it's like if <laughs> if we can't if we can't, um, I feel bad for anyone who can't do that, who can't go to their their parents because if anyone will understand you, regardless of how, you know, fucked up you are in your life. If, if anyone can understand you, it's your, your mom and dad, because they've probably gone through it in one way or another. And they've probably dealt with the same thing in one way or another. And, um, so thank you for being there. Thanks for being great parents. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do with my kids is just try to mm-hmm. try to, you know, have them open up to me and feel comfortable talking. They know I'm going to get pissed off you know, sometimes, but I want them to be able to talk to me with no judgment. And, um, mm-hmm. I think you, you guys instilled that in me. So I, I thank you for that. I love you guys for that. Well, I pre- we, we appreciate that Stephen, for sure. How you feeling? 
I feel great. Is that a good conversation? I think it was. Um, how do you feel? Do you think I'm it all was? emotional right now. And I wish well, another another thing I remember. I don't know where we were, why we were there. We were sitting in a hotel together, and I remember sitting on the deck, and we had a, I don't know what you were, you were drinking at the time, rum and rum and Seven Up or something. And we were sitting on, we were sitting on, um, uh, on on a deck at a hotel, and we we chatted, and I just remember it being a very meaningful um, oh, time good. in my life. And when you were, were visiting here, we got a chance to go for a walk. You know, we went for yeah. that big walk down to Radium. Um, yeah. I just wish we had more opportunity to, to do that and connect in that way. Right. Well, the, <clears throat> a couple of the things I remember, Steve, uh, was, uh, uh, I'll never forget it, was you were, what, 11 or 12 or 13, and we rode all the way from Deep River <laughs> yeah. to uh, Belton Park, 146 miles. And then the next day we turned around and rode all the way back. And it was a wonderful experience for me. And, uh, yeah, and uh, your accomplishments as well, uh, all your all your rides through the mountains and uh, camping outdoors and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know how you do it. You're, uh, you're uh, a fantastic athlete, Stephen, and uh, you've kept yourself really fit. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, Dad. I don't know how you do some of these things. Well, the apple doesn't fall fall far from the tree because I, I recall you cross-country skiing and competing and and the walking and you used to run and and then cycle commuting to work all the time so i think right. if anything is i'm just trying to i'm just trying to keep doing those things to set a good example for for these these two here and sloan's back good timing honey did did i'm sweet honey we're right there it's yeah. like 20 minutes i said 20 minutes and here it is 20 minutes you, you're watching the clock. back. Well, she she bought a watch. Oh, good. Oh, she's shark. Yeah. So you should have a watch soon. Jasper got his watch, so he's constantly telling telling us what time it is. Oh, good. Well, Sloan, I think we were just about to wrap it up. So, do you have anything you want to say to Nana and Papa before we say goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks again, and um, hey. enjoy your day. I love you guys. I will. Yeah, love you too, too. soon. Bye, bye, Sloan. Bye, Sloan. bye, bye, bye. sweetheart. Bye. <laughs> My dad. What do you think? Do you like that podcast, man? I I wanted to get him on the podcast for so long, and uh, I'm so happy that we finally connected. Um, apologies for the kind of the chronological setup there. There were a few tech interruptions as well. So if the flow seemed weird, I tried to edit it the best I could to make it flow well. And I hope it did. And I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, and you know what, if you want, you can go back and you should actually, uh, you know, I think by, by listening to my mom and my dad speak, you'll probably learn a little bit about me on the side, you know, but, um, 
if you want to listen to a podcast I did with my mom, if you go back to my back 40 episode number 14, you can listen to a great chat I had with my mom, you know, the whole time you're next to Kim, my sister, you're next. But uh, I wanted to get my family on kind of over time, you know, just cause that was what my back 40 was about. It's not just about endurance cycling and training nutrition and mental health. It's also about just me sharing my life with you guys. And I hope you appreciate it. So, yeah, I want to thank my dad again. Super fun talking to him. And don't forget the easiest way to support the MyBack40 project is to get, give it a five-star rating and a review on your favorite listening platform. I can't talk tonight, man. It's so weird. And um, another great way is you can head on over to MyBack40.org slash support. Um, and if you find value in what I'm bringing to the world of podcasts and you'd like to support me financially, you can do so. MyBack40.org slash support. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. I mean, even picking up a t-shirt is a great way to support me and another great way to support the podcast is to reach out to my sponsors cycling 101 and dynamic cyclist both are running a code mb40 you can use that at checkout to save 25 percent on their services uh, cycling 101 and dynamic cyclist work very close together very closely and what ryan digs about what they throw down is they have all these great little micro um, strength training, mobility workouts that you can do in like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and you don't need much roller, a strap, um, a mat, if you want a block, and, uh, you can do these great mobility exercises and I use them as much as I can. Um, I love stretching every day right before bed. I like to hit the floor and do something lately. I've been doing a lot of yoga, just kind of like, um, sun salutations, but, um, yeah, Dynamic Cyclist is great. So with those codes, MB40, you can save 25% off the programming at Dynamic Cyclist. And if you go to uh, Cycling 101 and talk to Ryan Draper, um, whose, co- whose method of coaching is about fitting great workouts in people's busy lifestyles, and he can help you do that. So if you're not happy with your workout plan that you're doing now, training for whatever's coming up in the summer, Reach out to Ryan. If you drop the code MB40, you're going to save 25% off a consultation. So there you have it. That's th- that's this week's podcast. I hope you dug it. Really excited about next week. So if you haven't, please subscribe, share, and rate the podcast. I've um, got a great one coming up next. And I'm really, really stoked to share it with you. So uh, stay tuned and keep the rubber side down.